Chapter Sixteen of the History of Miss Betsy Thoughtless, Volume Three, by Eliza Haywood. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Sixteen will not tire the reader. Miss Betsy, having her heart and head full of the obligation she had to Mister Trueworth, and on the first recovery of her senses, thinking he was still near her, cried out, "Oh, Mister Trueworth, how shall I thank the goodness you have shown me?" I have no words to do it. It is from my brothers you must receive those demonstrations of gratitude which are not in my power to give. The brothers look sometimes on her, and sometimes on each other, with a good deal of surprise all the time she was speaking, till perceiving she had done. To whom are you talking, sister? said Mr. Francis. Here is nobody but my brother and myself. Bless me, cried she, looking round the room. How wild my head is! I knew not where I was. I thought myself still in the house of that wicked woman that betrayed me, and saw my generous deliverer chastising the monster that attempted my destruction. Who was the monster? demanded the elder Mr. Thoughtless, hastily. A villain without a name, said she, for that of Sir Frederick Fenea was but assumed to hide a common cheat, a robber. And who, say you, rejoined Mr. Francis, was your deliverer? Who? But the best of men, answered she. Mr. Trueworth. Oh, brothers, if you have any regard for me, or for the honour of our family, you can never too much revere or love the honour and the virtue of that worthy man. You see, Frank, how greatly you have been to blame, said the elder Mr. Thoughtless, and how much more so you might have been, if I had not dissuaded you from following that gentleman, who I now perceive was the saviour, not the invader, of our sister's innocence. I blush, replied Mr. Francis, at the remembrance of my rashness. I ought indeed to have known true worth better. There passed no more between them on this subject, but on finding Miss Betsy grew more composed, and able to continue a conversation, they obliged her to repeat the particulars of what had happened to her, which she accordingly did with the greatest veracity imaginable, omitting nothing of moment in the shocking narrative, the calling to mind a circumstance so detestable to her natural delicacy, threw her, however, into such agonies, which made them think in their province, rather to console her under the affliction she had sustained, than to chide her for the inadvertency that had brought it on her. They stayed supper with her, which to save her the trouble of ordering, Mr. Thoughtless went to an adjacent tavern, and gave directions for it himself, made her drink several glasses of wine, and both of them did everything in their power, to cheer and restore her spirits to their former tone, after which they retired, and left her to enjoy what repose the present anxieties of her mind would permit her to take. Though the condition Miss Betsy was in made these gentlemen treat her with the above-mentioned tenderness, yet both of them were highly incensed against her for so unadvisedly encouraging the pretensions of a man whose character she knew nothing of, but from the mouth of a little mantua-maker, her consenting to sup with him at the house of that woman, and afterwards running with her into his very bedchamber, were actions which to them seemed to have no excuse. Mr. Francis, as of the two having the most tender affection for her, had the most deep concern in whatever related to her. If she were either a fool, said he, stamping with extremity of vexation, or of a vicious inclination, her conduct would leave no room for wonder. But for a girl who wants neither wit nor virtue 
to expose herself in this manner has something in it inconsistent unnatural monstrous i doubt not cried he again if the truth could be known that it was some such ridiculous adventure as this that lost her the affection of mr trueworth though her pride and his honour joined to conceal it the elder mr thoughtless was entirely of his brother's opinion in all these points and both of them now were more confirmed than ever that marriage was the only sure guard for the reputation of a young woman of their sister's temper mr munden had been there the day before and as he had told miss betsy he would do declared himself to them so it was resolved between them that if on proper inquiry his circumstances should be found such as he said they were to clap up the wedding with all imaginable expedition but no business how important or perplexing soever it may be can render gratitude and good manners forgotten or neglected by persons of understanding and politeness these gentlemen thought a visit to mr trueworth neither could nor ought to be dispensed with in order to make him those acknowledgments the service he had done their sister demanded from them accordingly the next morning mr thoughtless accompanied by his brother went in his own coach which he made be got ready as well in respect to himself as to the person he was going to visit they found mr trueworth at home who doubtless was not without some expectation of their coming on their sending up their names he received them at the top of the staircase with so graceful an affability and sweetness in his air as convinced the elder mr thoughtless that the high character his brother frank had given of that gentleman was far from exceeding the bounds of truth it is certain indeed that mr trueworth since the eclaircissement of the denham affair had felt the severest remorse within himself for having given credit to that wicked aspersion cast upon miss betsy and the reflection that fortune had now put in his power to atone for the wrong he had been guilty of to that lady by the late service he had done her gave a secret satisfaction to his mind that diffused itself through all his air and gave a double sprightliness to those eyes which by the report of all who ever saw him stood in need of no addition to their lustre the elder mr thoughtless having made his compliments on the occasion which had brought him thither the younger advanced though with a look somewhat more downcast than ordinary i know not sir said he whether any testimonies of the gratitude i owe you will be acceptable after the folly into which a mistaken rage transported me last night dear frank cried mr trueworth smiling and giving him his hand in token of a perfect reconciliation none of these formal speeches we know each other you are by nature warm and the little philosophy i am master of makes me think whatever is born with us pleads its own excuse besides to see me with your sister in the condition she then was entirely justifies your mistake dear trueworth replied the other embracing him you are born every way to overcome mr thoughtless returning to some expressions of his sense of the obligation he had conferred upon their whole family sir i have done no more said mr trueworth than what every man of honour would think himself bound to do for any woman in the like distress much more for a lady so deserving as miss betsy thoughtless i happened almost miraculously to be in the same house with her when she stood in need of assistance and i shall always place the day in which my good stars conducted me to the rescue of her innocence among the most fortunate ones of my whole life 
in the course of their conversation the brothers satisfied mr trueworth's curiosity by acquainting him with the means by which their sister had been seduced into the danger he had so happily delivered her from and mr trueworth in his turn informed them of the accident that had so seasonably brought him to her relief which latter as the reader is yet ignorant of tis proper should be related having sent said he for my steward to come to town on account of some leaves i am to sign the poor man had the misfortune to break his leg as he was stepping out of the stage-coach and was carried directly to mrs Modley's, where it seems he had formerly lodged this casualty obliged me to go to him as a maid-servant was showing me to his room which is up two pair of stairs i heard the rustling of silks behind me and casting my eyes over the banister i saw miss betsy and a woman with her who i since found was mrs Modley, pass hastily into a room on the first floor a curiosity continued he which i cannot very well account for induced me to ask the nurse who attends my steward what lodgers there were below to which she replied that they said he was a baronet but that she believed nothing of it for the two fellows that passed for his servants were always with him and she believed et at the same table for they never dined in the kitchen besides said she i have seen two or three shabby ill-looked men that have more the appearance of pickpockets than companions for a gentleman come after him and indeed i believe he is no better than a rogue himself though i was extremely sorry pursued mr trueworth to find miss betsy should be the guest of such a person yet i could not forbear laughing at the description this woman gave of him which however proved to be a very just one i had not been there above half an hour before i heard the shrieks of a woman and fancied the voice of miss betsy though i had never heard it made use of in that manner i went however to the top of the staircase when hearing the cries redoubled i drew my sword and ran down the door of the chamber was locked but setting my foot against it i easily burst it open and believe entered but just in time to save the lady from violation on seeing the face added he of this pretended baronet i immediately knew him to be a fellow that waited on a gentleman i was intimate with at paris what his real name is i either never heard or have forgot for his master never called him by any other than that of quaint an account of the romantic and affected fashion in which he always spoke the rascal has a little smattering of latin and i believe has dipped into a good many of the ancient authors he seemed indeed to have more of the fop than the knave in him but he soon discovered himself to be no less the one than the other for he ran away from his master and robbed him of things to a considerable value he was pursued and taken but the gentleman permitted him to make his escape without delivering him into the hands of justice after this mutual recapitulation the two brothers began to consider what was to be done for the chastisement of the villain as the prosecuting him by law would expose their sister's folly and prove the most mortal stab that could be given to her reputation the one was for cutting off his ears the other for pinning him against the wall of the very chamber where he had offered the insult to which mr trueworth replied i must confess his crime deserves much more than your keenest resentments can inflict but these are punishments which are only the prerogative of law to which as you rightly judge it would be improper to have recourse 
I am afraid, therefore, you must content yourselves with barely caning him. That is, continued he, if he is yet in the way for it, but I shrewdly suspect he has before now made off as well as his confederates, the parson and the surgeon. However, I think it would be right to go to the house of this Modley and see what is to be done. To this they both readily agreed, and they all went together, but as they were going, Oh, what eternal plague, said Mr. Francis, has the vanity of this girl brought upon all her friends? You will still be making too hasty reflections, cried Mr. Trueworth. I hope to see Miss Betsy one day, as much outshine the greatest part of her sex in prudence, as she has always done in beauty. By this time they were at Mrs. Modley's door, but the maid, whom she had tutored for the purpose, told them that Sir Frederick Fenier was gone, that he would not pay her mistress for the lodgings, because she had suffered him to be interrupted in them, and that she was sick in bed, with the fright of what had happened, and could not be spoke to. On this Mr. Trueworth ran up to his steward's chamber, not doubting but he should be there certainly informed whether the mock baronet was gone or not. The two Mr. Thoughtlesses waited in the parlour till his return, which was immediately, with intelligence, that the wretch had left the house, soon after himself had conducted Miss Betsy thence. They had now no longer any business here, but the elder Mr. Thoughtless could not take leave of Mr. Trueworth, without entreating the favour of seeing him at his house, to which he replied that he believed he should not stay long in town, and while he did so, had business that very much engrossed his time, but at his return should rejoice in an opportunity of cultivating a friendship with him. With this and some other compliments they separated. The two brothers went home, and Mr. Trueworth went where his inclinations led him. End of chapter 16